Thank you for downloading this episode of the Mac Report Podcast. This episode is brought to you by our subscribers over at themacreport.com. Their support allows us to bring you our coverage of Merrimack Athletics. If you are a subscriber, I thank you. And if you're interested in becoming a subscriber and gaining access to all of our coverage, head on over to themacreport.com today and sign up. If you don't want to subscribe but still want to support us, please rate and review our podcast over on Apple Podcasts. Once again, thank you to our subscribers for making our coverage possible. And now, on to this week's episode. Welcome back to another season of the Mac Report podcast covering Merrimack men's hockey and Merrimack men's basketball. The podcast, we're firing it up today for the 23-24 season, which for the teams we cover regularly here, uh, gets underway next week, believe it or not. October 7th, the men's hockey team is going to be playing an exhibition game down at Sacred Heart. There at Arizona State to kick off the regular season on the 14th and 15th. The home opener, the 21st, and then it's kind of right into it. Men's basketball will be starting up uh, about a month after the hockey team does. And we're right back in the mix. Uh, So this is a good show. This is a good show. We preview the men's hockey season. A lot of the newcomers and the new faces with Scott Bork. We'll get to him in just a little bit. Uh, But this should be the first of many weekly podcasts. Just like we did last year uh, covering hockey and basketball here at themacreport.com. Uh, we're going to do these most, pretty much every Thursday, I think, is when the show is going to drop. Um, there may be weeks where, where it drops on a different day. Uh, and then, obviously, over the semester break, maybe we'll take a week off. But that's all way in the future. For the most part, we're going to try to do one of these every single Thursday, uh, as long as it makes sense. You know, I don't know that we'll necessarily have one next week because uh, there's nothing really to, to react to where the exhibition game is not going to be until the 7th. But we'll definitely have one the week before um, the, the series against Arizona State. And then, obviously, then we're just running a basketball and hockey mode after that. So this should be a lot of fun. Welcome back. I'm glad you're here. Uh, to, again, to our subscribers, thank you very much for your support. And thank you for making our coverage possible. Uh, without your support, there's no way that we would be doing this. So thanks again for supporting our site, as always. Uh, and, yeah, we're going to talk men's hockey today. And and this is a team that I think a lot of Merrimack fans are pretty excited about and probably should be pretty excited about. Uh, Warriors picked to finish third in the league by the coaches. Uh, I think third in the league by the media as well. Maybe They may be second in the league by the media. Um, but this is a team that, look, there's a reason why people are excited about this group. And I, I think there's some questions. Particularly, people are, are going to ask, well, how are they going to replace some of the scoring they lost from their grad transfers last year, Otto Lepinen and, and Will Cavalry? I think I have an answer to that. Uh, but again, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Otherwise, when you look around this roster and you look at the fact that the top two scorers, Alex Jeffries and Matt Capone, are both returning, uh, both goaltenders, who were just complete studs last year, are both returning, uh, and they didn't lose anyone that they weren't losing to graduation, essentially. No, no early signings, no transfers. Like, no transfers. Like, that, that, you don't see that happen uh, in today's 
college hockey world. I think they're they're one of I think only three teams in the country that did not have a player transfer. I know Merrimack was one. Pretty sure Bemidji State was another one, and maybe Alaska Anchorage I think was the third. Uh, Hugo Esselin entered the portal at one point. Was going to explore uh, maybe taking one more year somewhere else, but I I don't. He well he never transferred. So uh, I think I've heard that he got a job outside of hockey and uh, he's going to move on into the life after hockey, I believe. Uh, but either way, whether he's doing that or whether he's playing pro somewhere, he didn't transfer. So Merrimack, one of three uh, teams in the country that didn't have a, a player transfer last year, which in, in today's day and age is amazing. I mean, you pay attention to what the coverage of what's happening in the transfer portal. Um, I think we're talking close to 300 players that were in the portal this this past off season, and, and many of them found the new home. Many of them also didn't. Um, but to have a team that didn't have anybody leave the roster that didn't graduate is, believe it or not, rare in, in college hockey nowadays. It used to be that that was just the norm. You know, guys played four years, and then they would graduate, and that's when they would leave the roster. But in today's world, that's not necessarily the norm. Uh, but Merrimack, one of the few teams in the country to retain everybody, pretty much, that didn't graduate. And retaining everybody off of a team that was – one goal away from winning the Hockey's championship and made the NCAA tournament as the 14th team in the pairwise. I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about what this team has coming back. Now, it doesn't mean anything. This preseason stuff means nothing. I say it in the interview with uh, Coach Bork coming up in a little bit. You know, they're picked to finish third and second in the polls this year. They're, I think they're finished picked to finish eighth and ninth in the polls last year. And they were 14th in the country in the pairwise and one goal away from winning Hockey East. So it's like the preseason polls didn't mean anything last year. So I think we'd be foolish to sit here and go, well, it means something this year. It doesn't mean anything. All it means, in my opinion, is that you are believed. Like Last year, Merrimack probably snuck up on some teams and surprised them, whereas this year I don't think they're surprising anybody. I think what those polls mean this year is that you do have a little bit of a target on your back, and there are some – higher expectations from people outside of the program. The expectations amongst the people inside the program, the coaches and the players, is always pretty high. But I think what you see now is, okay, with with those sort of preseason rankings, College Hockey News had them as the number 10 team in the nation in the preseason. When you come into a season with with that type of momentum, or, or yeah, I guess momentum would be the word, around your program, there's now outside expectations, which don't mean anything to those inside the locker room, but they're there, and now it's a li- it's a little bit of a different season than it was last year. Last year, they believed nobody else did, and this year, I think more more outside people believe than than others. Uh, you know, Scott Borg will will still tell you that they're an underdog, and I think Merrimack will always be an underdog given their situation and given who they're up against in their league. Um, but I think there are people, specifically fans of the program, whose expectations are higher now. Uh, you know, if you're a, a Merrimack season ticket holder or a Blue Line Club member or a student or just a fan of the program, you know, a 7th or 8th place finish this year would be a massive disappointment considering who they bring back and what your expectations were. Whereas last year going into the year, I think we all thought they were going to be improved, but there might be some of you where if I said, look, Merrimack was going to finish sixth in Hockey East last year, uh, which would be, would have been picked ahead of where they were in the polls, you know, you would have said, well, that, that's a really good year. Like, I, I would take that. 
Uh, they ended up finishing, what, third, I think, as far as seeding goes. Or, or was it third or second in seeding? I have to look. It's second, I think. Um, I don't even remember. See, it doesn't matter. You don't, you don't remember. You remember who wins at the end of the day. We remember BU winning in overtime. That's what people remember. I don't even remember what the regular season standings were last year. Um, but the expectations from people outside of the program are a little bit higher, which doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it's notable. Uh, and I guess we can sit here and say why. Well, Jeffries is back. Capone is back. Ben Brar is back. Uh, both goaltenders have returned. So there's a lot of momentum there, I think, when you return most of your top scores. They do have to figure out how to replace a little bit of offense. Otto Lepidin had 25 points. Will Calvary had 20 points. They combined for 11 goals. So they have to figure out a way to replace some of that offense. There's other guys that left that, that filled a leadership role but didn't necessarily fill uh, you know much of an offensive role. Uh, other forwards up front, Ryan Liebold was fantastic on the third line. I'd argue his line was probably their best line throughout the course of the playoffs. But in terms of numbers, all right, you got to find somebody else that, that is going to replace 12 points and five goals. That's e- It's easier to find someone to replace that offense. It's not as easy to find someone to replace that leadership, uh, but it is, it's It's easier to find someone to replace those numbers. Same with Tristan Crozier. 11 points, two goals, nine assists. I think there's guys, whether it's Mark Hillier, who I think is going to show some improvement this year, uh, or... Uh, you know, other four, maybe Nikita Bordayanko, maybe he gets more playing time. We know how well he shoots the puck. Maybe he takes some of those points and scores a little more goals. Tyler Young is someone I know they're really excited about who has put in a lot of work this offseason uh, and they believe could be more of an impact player this year. So I, I, I think it's easier on the third and fourth lines to find guys that might be able to plug those holes as far as offensively. It's harder to replace that leadership. But I think it's it's going to be easier for Merrimack this year than in other years because of the fact that they are going to, again, be so grad-heavy. Just this time it's their own grad students. Bren Brar comes back as a captain. Alex Jeffries comes back as a senior. Uh, you know, they, they lose Jordan Seifert, which definitely hurts. And, and he just – he got a raw deal from the NCAA. He should be eligible to play one more year. Uh, but you get Mac Welsher back as a grad student. That's going to help. Like these grad students that you are getting back are going to help. And then you're also bringing in, uh, you know, Chase Stevenson from New Hampshire, who was a captain there last year. So uh, there's, I think they're going to be able to fill those holes. And that's why when I look at at the offense they lost, specifically Lepidin and Cavalry, I think Stevenson right away replaces one of them. Stevenson, how about that? Stevenson had more goals. He had 12 goals last year. 12 goals, eight assists, 20 points for UNH, Stevenson had more goals than Lepidin and Calvary combined. They combined for 11. So I think I think Stevenson can replace the offense brought at least by one of those two players. And the other reason why you don't hesitate to, to say, well, is the offense going to translate? He did it in Hockey East last year. He played in the same league against the same teams. So yes, I think that, that Stevenson is going to come in and probably have a very similar year that he had last year, which is going to be, you know, 10 goals, 20 points, something around there is probably what, what I would look at and say that would be a, a, a reasonable season for him, a reasonable expectation, because that's what he did a year ago. So, And he was a captain. So you, you, you can expect that he's going to replace some of that leadership. And I know it's hard to do that as a new player coming into an established team, but Crozier did it last year, and Cavalry did it last year, and Lee Bull did it last year, and Max Newton did it the year before that. So I, I do think that there's 
this group in particular seems to be open to that. It's not like, oh, you've got to be here four years before you can be a captain. If you're going to be, in the, if you're going to step in the locker room and be a leader, you could be a leader. And there were guys last year that were doing it without even a letter on their shirt. So, you know, I, I don't think that that's it's a roadblock that he's a one year grad student, so he can't be a leader within this group. I think he can be. I think he probably will be because he has a history of doing it other places. He did it in junior too. I think he in sorry, I think he was an, a captain at one point as well. Uh, and then there's others like offensively, Mark Gallant comes in from Dartmouth, and I know the offensive totals weren't great last year, um, but look at what he did as a junior. 18 points, 11 goals on a team that didn't score. So it's not like he was able to produce because he had a lot of help around him. That junior year, uh, he scored 16% of the team's goals. (laughs) You know, one player scored 16% of the team's goals. So it's, I think if he can find his game again, and and I think last year he was battling some things. I think he was battling a couple of injuries, which hampered him a little bit. Um, but again, like you don't, those numbers don't happen by accident. You don't accidentally score 11 goals and 18 points in 28 games. It's just, that's not, doesn't accidentally happen. So there's got to be something there. And, and if he can find that again, well, now you're looking at Stevenson and Cavalry. If you take, uh, excuse me, Stevenson and Gallant, if you take Gallant's junior year, that's 23 goals. That's more than double what Lepidan and Cavalry had. So that's what I mean where I think there's there's the prospect there for some of their, their transfers to come in and replace what they, they lost from the, the graduate students, specifically the graduate transfers, that they lost a year ago. I, it doesn't mean that it's going to happen, but there's evidence there that these guys are going to be able to fill that void. And we haven't even talked about Michael Satari yet, who is – I think very skilled. Um, I, I know they're very excited about him as well and what he can bring. It never really seemed to work at, at Providence for him. Uh, part of it, look, part of it could have been that he came in as a, as a younger player. He only had one year in the USHL before he came into Providence, and sometimes it can be harder to crack a lineup and, and make those things work. But, you know, he's another guy where if if he can find his game, he had 35 points his rookie year in the USHL as an 18-year-old. So... There's something there, too. And, and as I said, I said it to, to Bork in our podcast, uh, I know there were games last year where I watched Providence and he was in the lineup and he was on the power play. And it it's odd for a guy that was in and out of the lineup, but when he was in the lineup, he was on the power play. Why? That's probably because they know he can do some special things with the puck. <laughs> you know, he, he's an offensive player who, who they thought they who they thought could help them there. Uh, that's why when he was in the lineup, he had gotten power play time. So that's it's an indicator, anyway, that he can probably come in and I think have bigger numbers than uh, th- than what he showed at Providence. I think he's a little bit older now. You know, it's kind of a second chance type of deal. Um, you know, we've seen it. We've seen it happen with players where where this is what happens. Look at Steven Jandrick. Steven Jan- Jandrick would be a very I, I think similar player to compare Satara to not maybe not in, in play style, but you know Jandrick went uh, well. Jandrick had two years at Alaska where he was more of a of a, a guy who was leaned on. Then he transferred to Denver and was in and out of the lineup. Played on the fourth line, didn't have a lot of points um, because he didn't get a lot of minutes. But he was kind of on a on a 
team that was a little loaded, definitely more loaded than Alaska was. Came to Merrimack, had a bigger role, had an absolutely tremendous graduate year for the Warriors. I think Satara could be somewhat of the same position. Just maybe things weren't working out of Providence for whatever reason. And now a fresh start, maybe a little bit of a different role. Maybe the coaches see you a little bit differently. Uh, now things can really start to take off. So I think there's potential there you know, for him to come in and really contribute offensively as well and maybe, again, replace some of what you lose from Lepidin and Cavalry. Or maybe he's a guy that, that can replace some of what you offensively lost from Crozier and Liebold. And then there's also, by the way, development. <laughs> we have to factor in development. You know, Matt Capone theoretically should be better than he was last year. That's usually how it goes. Alex Jeffries could even be better than he was last year in terms of offensive totals. Uh, that's, again, that's, typically there's a path there for players. Mark Hillier is a guy who I think can take a big step and, and, and potentially fill a top six role for this team. Uh, there's uh, Tyler Young. I said earlier they're really excited about him. And they've got some freshmen who it sounds like offensively might be able to make an impact. Ty Deneau being right at the top of that list. A forward from the Alberta League who scored over 40 goals last year. So, like, there's... There's a lot of, I think, potential to replace that offense that I'm less worried about. Uh, I, I'm maybe, maybe I'm wrong. We'll see when the season starts and how it plays out. I, I I'm not saying that I'm right because other people are more concerned about what they've lost than, than I am. I think they have players in the room who can replace what they lost, and potentially, and then some. You know. Because uh, it's not like they're losing a forty point a forty point score here, I'm, and I'm just talking about offensive totals. Like I said, it's it's harder to replace the leadership component, but I think they have players in the room who can do that, who can replace what they lost up front offensively. Uh, as far as defensively goes, they lose Slava Demon. That's a big it's a big loss because he he logged a lot of minutes for this team last year. Uh, that's that's going to be another hole that you have to try to fill in some way, and and I do think that there's guys again on this roster who can fill that void and, and I don't know that it's going to be one person filling all of it you know you might take up Demon's responsibilities and give a little bit of that to Zach Bookman and get a little bit, little bit more of it to Christian Felton uh, and give a little bit more of it to uh, Ivan Zivlak and Liam Dennison maybe it gets split up maybe Frank Jervasevic, who's a freshman defenseman who we're going to talk about with Coach Bork in a little bit, maybe he comes in and carves a spot out right away and can replace some of those minutes because he's an older freshman who's coming in ready to make an impact. Uh, maybe Trevor Greibel can can elevate his game. I know they were really happy with the way he played last year, Greibel, but it was just one of those things where it was like, hey, they kind of have a, an older established decor at that point. There weren't a lot of opportunities to get him into the lineup, but I thought he played well when he did. So, Maybe he comes in and takes some of that, that uh, some of that Slava Demon role. There's again, I think there's guys in the room that we have seen have the ability to replace what was lost. Uh, obviously, they don't lose anything with a goaltender, so that that's a real key component. Uh, and I should also add, okay, every other team is going through this. That's why like, I, I chuckle sometimes when people go, like, well, look at what they lost. Oh, they got to got to replace Leopard and got to replace Cavalry. And, and, and people have emailed me over the course of the summer, some people for mailbag stuff, and, and sometimes I'll go back and forth with subscribers. Like, you know, how are they going to do this? And I sit there and go, well, just take a deep breath. Everyone's trying to do the same thing. 
you know, it's important to remember that. Everyone else lost people too. And everyone else is trying to do the same thing. And and people will, players will emerge over the course of the year. Sometimes though, I mean, look, I look at a team like UMass Lowell and I go, look, they lost some of their offensive guys. And I don't see a lot of guys in that room that are going to be able to provide the offense that they lost whether it's from the transfers they brought in or from some of the guys on their roster like I think it's gonna be really hard for Lowell to score this year I think they're gonna defend like crazy because they always do and I think their goaltender is gonna be really good because Luke Pavisic was really good at UMass Amherst last year but I look at at their goal scoring and I go man I just I don't I don't know where it's gonna come from now maybe somebody emerges and again I'm wrong it's happened before um but you know, I look at their I look at their roster, and it's like, wow, I think it's going to be hard for them to find goals. I don't know who they're going to lean on. There's no one there that has a, kind of a history uh, of providing offense at the NCAA level. There's no recruit you look at where it's like, wow, he just he lit the world on fire last year in the USHL, so he's going to come in and be a 25 point freshman. Uh, you know, th- you don't see that on their roster. Whereas I look at the Merrimack roster and I can say, well, yeah, I think some of these guys will improve. You know, Philip Forsmark had 11 less points than he had as a junior last year. So if he returns to form and returns to a 25, 27-point player now as a grad student, well, that's 10 extra points, maybe five extra goals to help replace what you lost from some of those other players. So that's what I mean where, like, there's there's evidence that some of these guys have done it before and should be able to do it again, whether it's Stevenson. Improvement from Forsmark, whether it's Gallant returning to the way he looked as a junior. And you're probably not going to get all of it because you never do, right? You, you don't usually go 10 for 10. Here are, the 10. here are the 10 things we need to have happen, and we're going to get all 10 of them. You're probably not going to get all 10 of them. But if you get enough of them, I think there will be other surprises along the way that help plug some of the holes. For example, did anybody really? I mean, I thought Matt Capone was going to be improved last year, but did anybody listening right now? Expect him to have a 14-goal, 29-point season? I did not. I'm telling you that right now. I did not. I thought he'd be better. I thought he'd be a 15- to 18-point guy and a guy who would probably play in the power play and not be in and out of the lineup the way he was as a younger freshman. I thought he would kind of establish himself as an every-night player. I didn't think that he would be establishing himself as a solid, you know, top-six player as a 19-year-old sophomore who was going to play in the power play and be an impact player for the team. I did not think that was going to happen. So who, who's that guy this year? Because there could be another one. You know, and I'll also say, like, at this point last year, at this time last year, the coaching staff was absolutely raving about Matt Capone. Uh, I, I remember talking to Scott Bork about it. I remember having a conversation with Chris Ross at one point about it, and they were all saying, and this was, again, a year ago, like this time one year ago, and they were all saying, you you won't believe what Capone looks like. Like, you won't believe the improvement. Uh, And we saw it. It was evident. So is there a guy like that this year that takes a big jump going into, maybe not a sophomore year, but maybe it's his junior year. Maybe it's his senior year. You know, you never know when when it can click. I I generally think it's going to happen either a player going into a sophomore or going into his junior year. But look at Chase Stevenson. With Stevenson last year, he was going into his senior year when it kind of everything popped for him. So there's – you don't know when it's going to happen. But, again, I think you, you look at the roster. I'm I'm more confident, I think, than maybe some others that there's the pieces in place there where they're going to find those players and, and they're going to be okay. 
you know, and, and I know some of you are concerned because you voiced those concerns to me. Um, but I, I really, I, I've picked them. I think they're the second or third best team in the league. I think Boston university is the number one team in hockey East. I really, I, I think going into the year, they're the top dog, no pun intended, but I think, I think Merrimack is right there as either the second best team or the third best team. You know, Boston College is going to be a very, very good team this year. But how long does it take them to put it together with all the freshmen that they had? They're super talented freshmen. They all played at the National Development Program. A lot of them played together. But how long is it going to take for them to get acclimated to, to NCAA hockey? Uh, I think Providence will be improved. I think UConn will be improved. I think Maine's going to be improved. But, you know, I don't, there's not another team really, other than maybe BU, that I think returned the number of impact players the way that Merrimack returned their impact players. So some of, the gonna, some of those teams are going to rely on new faces, but like Providence didn't return Patrick Moynihan and, and Brett Berard. <laughs> you know, they're gone. <laughs> uh, so the, the, there's, and Providence is going to be better. Believe me, they will be. Um, but I, I don't think anybody returned the level of impact players to their lineup the way that Merrimack did. So I, I, I really think that they, they should, from what we have right now on paper, should be a top, a top three team in the league again. That's at least my expectation. So we'll see how it plays out. Again, uh, exhibition on the 7th of October against Sacred Heart on the road. And then they'll hit the road again to play Arizona State, 14th and 15th. And the home opener October 21st against Clarkson. Uh, some of the new renovations would be unveiled, I believe, at that point as well. But anyway, uh, we got a lot to talk to uh, Scott Bork today about. We talked to most of the new faces, really pretty much well, most of all of them. Uh, I asked for some thoughts on all the new transfers, all of the new freshmen, uh, as well as some other questions about the team and, and how things are shaping up here in the preseason. So let's get right to it. Uh, Scott Bork is up next here on the Mac Report Podcast. Oh, one thing I do want to add, though, before we get to Coach Bork, uh, I'm not happy with the audio, <laughs> the way this turned out. Uh, it's completely my fault. We were recording this earlier today uh, over the phone, and I was using the microphone that I'm using right now. However, I inadvertently selected the wrong audio input into my computer, so I was recording with my laptop uh, microphone, like the one built into the computer. So my end of the audio was not great. It, it's listenable. Like, it, I'm not going to not publish the podcast because it's, it's not like it's unbearable. Uh, but it doesn't sound as clean and crisp as I do right now. So apologies for that. Uh, but let's get right to it. Scott Bork on this week's edition of the Merrimack, of the, excuse me, of the Mac Report podcast. All right, we're here with the head coach of the Merrimack men's hockey team, Scott Bork. And another hockey season is right around the corner. I know it may not feel that way, but a week from Saturday... Uh, you guys will be playing an exhibition down at Sacred Heart. So it's literally right around the corner. Uh, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Like I, I think, um, you know, it's funny because they did move the um, the season beginning a week back, it it feels like we've been doing this for a long time. You know, these, these short weeks, you know, you only have four hours on the ice and four hours off ice. So, it feels like this has been going on for longer than usual. I think it is a week longer than usual. Um, so even though hockey season is right around the corner, it feels like we've been preparing for this for a while. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, that puts us in a good stead moving forward. But 
certainly, um, you know, we've gotten, I think, a, enough enough four-hour weeks for our guys that they're, they're ready for that to be over. Is there a little bit of a different feeling at this point in the year too early on where, I mean, you've got some new faces, obviously, but so many guys that are returning, uh, it's probably the most that I can think of, the most guys you have had returned probably since you've been here in terms of guys in key roles. Does it kind of feel like it's more like riding a bike where you just you can hop back on and get going again when you have so many familiar faces? It's been really fun in that regard because we do have so many guys who are back and, you know, cool guys too, guys who are really important to, um, you know, our, our success or just the way we played at times. We get a lot of the most important, you know, pieces of that are here. Um, and it's exciting. And I think, the one thing that I have cautioned our uh, group of, from and, and our coaching staff for that matter is we have a lot back, but we lost an awful lot, particularly when you just look at it from a leadership point of view. Um, we lost some really key guys. And um, it was, you know, last year's team, obviously it's well-documented, a little older, um, you know, and that, that whole nine yards that everybody to throw at us last year. Now everybody did the same thing this year. Um, but it, it, to me, that team was, was such a pleasure to coach. And it was largely cause, uh, we had those five grad students, um, who, you know, just came to the rank every day and went about their business and, uh, they were just all business as far as their approach to our team and our season. And that was fun uh, to have that group. And we're a lot younger this year, uh, a lot of new faces, but, um, you know, we we'll try to get to the same place. Uh, some of the guys, excuse me, that did return. I mean, were you surprised that both goaltenders and Alex Jeffries, I mean, just key components in terms of guys who played big roles for you last year. Uh, I know, you know, some of them probably had opportunities to move on. Alex obviously did. We talked to him about it. But uh, to all come back and, and want to finish what maybe feels like a little bit of unfinished business? Yeah, I, I, I think, it. you know, for both goaltenders to come back, I mean, in this day and age with with the things that are out there and, and – people making decisions based upon, you know, different things are outside of our control as a hockey coach and even outside of your school's control at Merrimack. Um, for those guys to come back, uh, both, you know, Hugo and Bourge, uh, I just, it speaks a lot about who they are, you know, and, and they want to come back. They love Merrimack. They're loyal to Merrimack. And they, they want to try to accomplish something that hasn't happened that we came close to doing a year ago, but didn't, you know, finish the job. Um, you know, I, I think that's exciting. And, you know, when Jeff made the decision to come back, uh, you know, you and I talked about it, I believe, and, and that was, that was him betting on himself, but his, that was also him believing in his group. And so, um, I think our, our team's good for that. You know, when you have, uh, those three guys make a decision as they did to come back and all of them relatively early, it really gave like, you know, Ben Brock a chance to really think about what his next move was. They gave Phil Fulsmark, you know, it gave Mac Welsher. And so then you return those three guys as well. And it's like, holy cow, this is, this is a much different team that, than we look like we might be in February this year. Um, and that's, that's exciting. And Liam Dennison, another one on, on the back end who uh, I know was, was hurt some of last year, but to have a guy like that that comes back in that decor in, in kind of the same way, just, it feels like you get one guy back, especially on D. If you get one experienced guy that can return like that, it almost feels like it, everyone else kind of falls into place. Uh, I would agree. 
I would agree. You know, Liam, Liam has been, Liam is one of those players too, Liam Dennison, that um, each year he's come in and he's just found a role uh, that where he could be successful and where our team needed him, you know, and even last year, you know, he's out the whole first half. I think he was out to almost February, but he played at the end, you know, he played in the garden and he played against Quinnipiac and, you know, he was, he was an important piece to our drive, you know, at the end. And so, it's exciting to have him back healthy. Um, and it's actually turned out it's been very important because we aren't very healthy at the moment. Uh, but, you know, Liam will be an important part of whatever we do for sure. A couple of staff changes too. And then I want to talk about some of the new faces that are coming in. But uh, Dan Jewell uh, promoted to associate head coach over the summer. Uh, I know he's been here for a while here, a while now, but how excited were you to see Dan get promoted and, and get recognition for, uh, I know, as you and I have talked about in the past, the work that he's put into the program. I, I think it's um, it, it was really it's it's funny, and I was so happy. Uh, Jerry Gibson was right on this exact same page. I I was, you know, Dan had done a lot here. Uh, Dan and Josh had done a lot here um, to help move us in a positive direction. Um, and then when we lost Josh last year, the way that Dan uh, stepped forward and and just in everything, like not just in recruiting, like, and he's known as a really good recruiter, but not just in his recruiting, but in his coaching and then not just in his coaching and recruiting, but just in his ability and, and desire to be around the team as much as we had to be a year ago, because it was just the two of us. Um, it, it's, you know, it well-deserved. I was really excited to call him and tell him um, because I, and I did call him versus see him because I, I was out and, when it finally happened, I wasn't going to be able to see him for a while, and I wanted him to know as quickly as possible. Um, so I, I think it's a well-deserved. Uh, I don't think it's something that's in Merrimack's comfort zone either um, because it, it seemed like, you know, when I came here, I don't know if that, that position had been there in the past or not. Maybe it had, but um, it just – you know, I, I think Jeremy was really comfortable with the way things were, but also really understood that we had a really good person here, someone who worked really hard for us. We'll continue to do that and, you know, deserve that promotion. So, um, you know, I think it's awesome. You know, we, nothing changes in our office. Um, you know, we were all assistant coaches here, so it doesn't change anything in here. But, you know, for his future and for what he wants to accomplish as a coach, uh, I hope it does help with that. Uh, and then you're able to add Jimmy Mullen to the staff as well, who uh, I know I worked in the National Development Program. Uh, when he was hired, a lot of people uh, praised his work at, at, at the levels he was at before he came to Merrimack. And I know uh, when you and I spoke over the summer a couple of times, you were excited to have him on board as well. Very excited to have Jimmy come on board. And I, I think uh, the best part about it is you can already look, talk to our players about it, and they would say the same thing to you. Um, it's really great to have him aboard on the team, his energy that he brings every day, um, his knowledge of what we're asking him to do. Uh, he's just he's just a really um, good person, but he's a really good coach. And 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 that I got that from everybody I spoke to uh, when going through that process was you know hey good person, uh, really good coach, really good person, really and, and people always link the two. Um, and I was excited that, you know, we were able to attract him here and get him here. Uh, I think he's going to do really good things uh, with our team, but also in our recruiting. Um, and it's great to have him and his family here because I think that, um, you know, we, as much as any school,
school or program. I think we try to have everybody um, included and, you know, his family will be a part of it. And he's got a great young family that, that will really enjoy, I think, being part of this team. So it's an exciting opportunity, I hope, for him, but really for us as well. Uh, let's talk about some of the new faces on the roster. We can I'll, I'll kind of run them through here. Some are going to be freshmen. Some are going to be transfers. But uh, I'll go in numerical order, I guess. It's the easiest way to do it. Uh, Max Watville, uh, six for 2 defenseman from Sweden, uh, comes in, is going to join that decor this year. What did you see from Max throughout the course of the recruiting process and what has stood out about him uh, when you've, what, from what you've been able to see so far here in preseason work? Well, it's interesting. Max does have the advantage of coming off of, uh, you know, a year where he spent some time in the USHL and some time in the North American League. Um, you know, our other Swedes were here, Hugo Olas and Adam and Ivan. Uh, both of them came right from Sweden. And, and that was a really difficult adjustment. Uh, Max has not faced that same adjustment. I think he's, um, you know, he's used to the smaller rank. He's used to having guys bearing down him on the full check. He makes a good, solid first pass. Uh, you know, he's gaining in confidence with us. Um, and that's that's going to be the biggest challenge for him is, is continuing to grow his confidence um, because he's done some really good things and he really moves the puck well. He makes a really good first pass. Um, but he's, you know, his confidence is going to be challenged just, just from moving up a level. And um, our defense uh, right now, again, and we're a little banged up, but when our whole defensive core is, is uh, healthy, it's going to be a tough defensive core to crack the lineup in. So he's going to have to, you know, make as much uh, hay as he possibly can uh, right now while we are injured uh, to get himself, you know, the ice time he wants moving forward. Uh, Brady Hunter comes in as a forward up front, uh, played last season, lost two seasons in the BCHL, and I watched, like, being able to go through Instat and pull out some video has been fun over the summer, and trying to watch video on some of these new guys that are coming in, just to get somewhat familiar with them. And uh, Hunter, to me, like, both in size and the way that he plays, reminds me a lot of Mac Welsh. Like, he, he's, he's got that little bit of an edge in the way that he plays. It seems like he has a high motor, and I know in the BCHL the last two years, he's got 120 points over the last two seasons. So clearly, uh, an ability to, to find the back of the net as well. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that uh, about Mac because that's exactly I, – I remember, like it was yesterday, Josh and Dan were watching um, video, and they were actually watching a different player on that team uh, on trail, and they kept coming back to Brady, and they said, you know, do we want another Mac Welsh? I said, we want 15 Mac Welshers, <laughs> you know, if we can get them. Uh, and, they, I, and they, you know, th that was exactly who they compared him to. So I just – and they did not go into that video playing on watching him, but because of his effort and he's on pucks and he's aggressive, plays with tons of energy, he just happened to always be around the puck, just like Mac is typically. So, um, yeah, no, that, that's a great analogy of a player. Uh, if we can give that to us, we'll be really happy. Um, but he's had a good start to camp. He's strong, very like Mac. He's, you know, he might be short, but he's not small. Um, and he has the ability to play bigger than his size. And I'm really, you know, I, I've been very happy with him this, this year so far. Um, you know, he just, his effort is extreme. He can play on the outside and the inside. Uh, I think he's, he's off to a really good start. And, you know, hopefully he can continue to grow that role. Uh, Chase Stevenson comes in as a transfer from UNH. He was a captain there last year, was also a captain uh, when he played in Surrey in the BCHL. Had his best offensive year last year, too. And, 
I know you, you talked about losing some leadership, which you guys did uh, with the guys that graduated, but uh, history as a captain, uh, last year being his best offensive season, it feels like he can be a guy that maybe can fill both roles almost the way that a, a Will Cavalry or a Tristan Crozier did last year, coming in and, and not only filling a leadership role, but filling an important spot in the lineup as well. Yeah, no, Chase has been a really um, good addition to our program. Like, number one, you know, he was, as you mentioned, he was the captain there last year. Um, he spoke at the graduate, he was a student speaker at the graduation. I mean, he's a pretty accomplished young man. And I, you know, you see that every day. Like, it's, he doesn't just bring that on the rank. He brings that to his, just his life. And so he brings that to our locker room in a way that's really helpful. Um, and that's what I missed from last year's team because we had a, you know, obviously we had a bunch of guys who were in that same situation. This year we don't. We only have a couple um, who were new. Um, but Chase, he's a leader by example guy. He's not going to be very loud. Um, he can play. Any, he can also play center or wing. Um, we right now have him in the middle of the rank. Um, he's very flexible as a player. Versatile, I guess, is probably a better word. Um, and he's really done a good job here to start to show us that he's going to play a role for us probably in all situations. Um, and what that role is going to be will be, you know, determined. But I'm pretty sure that he's, he's going to be in a, a pretty good spot in that regard. And he's worked hard and he's in great shape. And, you know, we're really fortunate to have him. Mark Delon's another transfer, comes in from Dartmouth. Uh, I know, I think he was banged up a little bit last year, but you look at his junior year two years ago. 18 points in 28 games, led the team with 11 goals, and that was a Dartmouth team that was still kind of rebuilding. Uh, I looked around the numbers of the day. He scored 16% of the team's goals that year with 11 goals. So um, I, what, what do you see from Mark, and, and what is he going to bring? You know, it's interesting. I think that uh, I've talked to Mark about this. You know, uh, he his junior year they played here, uh, and obviously I think we tied, and I thought he was the best player in that game. And – uh, last year, you know, it just wasn't as successful. And, um, you know, he was very honest with it. He, and I think he probably put too much on, too much pressure on himself going into the year with some expectations, personal expectations that, you know, created some frustration early on in the season. Um, and then he was dinged up a, a bit as well. And then actually when he, we played them, he was sick. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, he's coming off a year that he feels like he has something to prove. And I love that. You know, we want, you know, all of our players to feel that. Um, and he's coming to camp. He's in great shape, uh, which is normal. You know, I've known Mark for a while. And he's usually that place. Um, but it's nice to have that and add in an older player to have that in your locker room. Uh, someone who values the, the weight room as much as he does and the off ice as much as he does. Uh, and he's a big physical force. Like, he's a big dog on the rank. Like, I – probably been a little surprised by how, you know, his size he brings to our team on the rank. Um, and he just doesn't, you know, he's not afraid to hunt. He's not shy about that at all. And he, he likes to have the puck on his stick. So, you know, I, I, I feel good about where his game is today. Um, I love where his mindset is today. Um, and I think that that should lead to a successful year for both him and for us. Uh, another big body that joins the team is the freshman, Ethan Bono from British Columbia. Uh, six foot three. I think he's. I don't know if he's. I'm pretty sure last year he played a little bit of center. Probably plays the wing as well. Uh, had a, a, has had good numbers in the BCHL the last two years, and then really had a really great playoff. I uh, had nine goals in the playoffs for Alberni Valley last year. Uh, what do you see from Ethan coming in as a as a big body forward? And, and he did play the middle a lot last year. 
Um, Ethan's got a ton of skill. He, he reminds me a little bit of, of Mark Hillier. He really uh, sees the rink very well. He can move the puck. He, you know, he'd be a fun guy to play with because he'll get you the puck in space. Um, you know, it's just an adjustment. You know, he's an old four, and that's a young player, uh, especially on a team that had so many, you know, we have you know, our own 50-year guys. Uh, and then a couple, obviously, guys we recruited. Um, so he's really young on this team, um, but he's really talented as well. So I'm excited to see what the future holds for him. Um, you know, it's just a matter of him really getting his his first step, second step up to speed with the with the group because uh, his mind is already there and his stick is already there. Um, and he's just gonna he's moving a big body, and and we got to be patient with him. But I also think that uh, you know, there's a lot of potential there that I see a lot of positive things in his future. Feels like there's a lot of potential for uh, transfer Michael Sitara too coming in from Providence out of the portal. Uh, he was he was played two years at Providence. He played 28 games as a freshman, and that was coming off of just one season in the USHL. So he played I think 18 uh, 18 U for Mount Saint Charles, and then went right to the USHL. Had a really good year in the USHL. Uh, had been in and out of the lineup last year as as a sophomore, but one of the things that stood out to me, and I, I don't know if it was against you guys or if it was against somebody else, but for a guy that was kind of in and out of the lineup, I'm pretty sure I, he played on the power play in one of the games I watched him play last year, uh, which probably speaks to his abilities, you know, with the puck. Uh, what do you see from him coming in as a transfer? And uh, obviously there's a pedigree there. He had 104 points his last year at Mount St. Charles, 35 points as a rookie in the USHL in 51 games. So there's definitely something there. Well, I tell you, there definitely is. And it's funny, um, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all. It wasn't against us. I, I don't think he played much against us, um, if at all, as a matter of fact, in the games. But, uh, you know, when he did play, he oftentimes was on the power play for them. And he just, he has a really good stick. He finishes well. Um, you know, he sees the rink well, but he really can finish around the net. Um, which is why when he was there, he um, was on the power play when they played him. So I think from our situation, like I've known Michael for a while. I originally recruited him to Providence. He went someplace else or committed to um, Colgate and then tried to recruit him to Merrimack and he committed to Providence. And so um, as I kid with him, you know, it was a long time getting him here, but we got him here. Um, his offensive upside is is uniquely good for our program. And, you know, my hope is that he can, you know, put put those numbers to work and, and help us with some of the goals we lost because he has the ability to do that. Kind of a similar to a Ben Brar story. So I know you recruited for a while at a, at a couple of different spots before you finally got him here. <laughs> exactly. And Ben, you know, will end up being a two-year captain and been really good since the day he got here. So, you know, I feel good about the guys that we tried to recruit and we weren't always successful, but you know, these two guys, we finally got here. So it's a, it's a really good thing. And, um, you know, obviously Benny has been a huge part of everything here. So I think Michael will be too. I think he, he fit in with our team really easily, uh, seamlessly and, um, had a, he had a good summer, um, and then, you know, a good fall. And, and I, I'm excited to see what he brings. Cause I think it's the first time in a couple of years where he's going to be relaxed um, going out there because we need what he brings. And so he's going to get a chance right out of the hopper to, to bring it. So I think that's going to help him. Um, and I expect big things from him for sure. Uh, Frank Jerevasevic comes in on the decor. You guys committed him, I think, and recruited him back. Uh, I think it may have even been when he was playing 
crap, or maybe his first year in the BCHL. Uh, but he had a lot of points for that Pentagon team last year on the blue line, 46 points, 10 goals as a defenseman, also served as their captain. And uh, that team is traditionally one of the best teams in, in junior A hockey. So uh, what did you what have you seen from him both as a player last year and, and his integration into the preseason? You know, uh, first thing you got to say about Frank is he made a great decision. You know, um, he uh, was committed, had been committed here for a while. You're right on that. And he, um, not only was he committed, uh, but we had, you know, we lost Declan and Zach uh, that year, last year, coming into last season. And Frank was ready to go to college. Like, he's, he's a man. Like, he was ready emotionally. He was ready physically. Uh, his game was ready uh, as well for him to come in and, and do some things. And I was very honest with him and said, you know, Frankie, we lost so much, so much ice time with these two players. I just don't think bringing a freshman in is going to replace that ice time. I just don't think they'll have the ability to replace that ice time. So we're going to try to go into the portal uh, and we would like you to stay. Now, typically in those situations when we're dealing with a player that we really want um, and we've asked him to play the extra year, um, you know, we, I, I will make it his decision, you know, and, and say, hey, but knowing what I've said, if you want to still come, then I'm ready for you to come. Um, and you know, he just said, no, thought about it. Not, not, not in this call, not on that call, but in a later call, um, he said, no, I, I think I'm good to stay and try to get myself to a place where I can come in and play immediately. I was like, that's great. Let's do it. Uh, and then he ends up going there and being captain, uh, being kind of not missed to everything, but you're know, doing a lot for that team, played a lot of offense, which he had not played for them in the past. Um, and I just think that, that those decisions to play that extra year and the maturity to make that decision allowed him to come in here and he's, he's game ready today. Um, and you're right, he was a captain of maybe the best junior program in North America, certainly one of the top couple. Um, and he was on there leading their power play and doing various things with a really strong group of players. Um, and he stepped in here seamlessly. I expect you know really good things from him, and I and I ex- I'm excited for him because of all the good decisions he made, um, which a, a lot of guys can't make, but he did, and it's going to be very helpful for him and for us. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Uh, I was I, I was just talking to somebody the other day. Uh, one of the one of the my son's on a team and plays with a couple of kids who's their older brother is going through the recruiting process now. And I was talking to the dad the other day. He hasn't committed anywhere yet. And he had said, you know, he's looking at schools and he's he's betting on himself in a sense, but he's also he wants to go in when he's ready because you only get four years in this. Like he doesn't want to spend his freshman year in and out of the lineup. He he wants to to go into college at a point where he's ready to play and ready to contribute so that he's in the lineup. But I just I think that's a really smart way to look at it, especially when like everyone seems like they're in such a rush <laughs> a little bit today. Um, but to have someone yeah. be like, you know what? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna come in when I'm, I don't want to get there until I'm ready because I don't want to waste time. I only got four years of it. I, I think it's such. And nowadays, and Frank did this. Um, you need to um, if you use that time and take a class or two, or do and do something else with it other than just hockey. Like Frankie took, I think Frankie took four classes last year, so he took a whole semester. So he comes in and. You know, he's not as not only has he got his game in a great place, not only is he physically and mentally feel really good about coming into college, 
but he's also walking in with four credit four courses of credits that's going to allow him to potentially go for his master's while he's here. Um, it just allows him to do very a number of things that you know he earned the opportunity to do just by that, that good decision, and then also by adding the academic piece into it. Uh, David Sacco comes in from the BCHL as well, but he's a local kid. Uh, I think he's listed as being from Middleton. Uh, played a little bit of St. John's Prep. Uh, played out in the USHL a little bit too. Took a, a year off at one point, I think. Somebody told me he's like an incredible golfer. Um, but yeah, decided he took a year off of golf. Yeah, uh, but decided after that that no, he wanted to try to play hockey in college instead and ends up getting back into juniors and, and you guys are bringing him in here this year as a freshman. What have you seen from his game so far, uh, both when, when you committed him and also uh, in preseason? You know, when we committed, David, I, I had, uh, when I first got hired here, the two players that, that I knew right off the bat we wanted to recruit, uh, one of them was David. Um, the other one we're playing against every night. Not every night, but uh, a couple times a year. But uh, they were local guys who I knew really well, who I'd had in camps or in various different things. I knew them as people as well as players uh, that I was really excited about. And David, unfortunately, committed to UNH. Um shortly after I put my list together and, and we never even got the chance to get into campus. Uh, but what he is, is he's a great team guy. Like he's all about the team. He'll do anything to help the team be successful. He is physically um, in a different place than most freshmen because he's, you know, he's he aged out a junior. He's in great shape physically. He's worked very hard to get himself to this point because he did take that year off and he knew that he's playing some catch up. Um, and I think he's really close to not playing catch up anymore. You know, I'd say he probably still is right at the moment. Um, but I expect him to add to our team success this year. Um, and then for things just to grow for him from there. Um, but he adds a physicality to our team. He adds a presence to our team and to our room that's unique uh, for both places. So uh, I think there's a really good opportunity for him here. He's very hard to play against, um, and if we can, you know, keep that within the boundaries, that will be a real positive thing for us and for him, but for us as well. Uh, Luke Wyland's another player coming in as a forward who's been committed for a little bit, I think for a couple of years. Uh, had a nice year in the BCHL last year as well. What have you seen from him? You know, Luke is a player that we committed when he was in Sioux Falls, and gosh, I think that was three years ago or maybe four years ago. Uh, right when Dan got hired, so it was four years ago. Um, and, I don't know, I'm this year, too. I think it was right after, like, the showcase at the beginning of the year. It was right after Pittsburgh, yeah, the USHL showcase. I remember him scoring a big-time goal and me looking at Dan going, that wasn't good because everybody's there, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, we ended up committing him right around now, uh, four years ago. Um, but then he's gone through a really tough stretch. Like, he had both his labrums, both hips, he had to get done at different times, uh, which took him out of hockey for a while. Um, and so he hasn't had the success coming into Merrimack that I would have expected him to have when we recruited him. Uh, he's still the same player, which is a good player, can really skate. He's got some Mac Welsher in him. He's a really good skater. Uh, he's a good hunter. Uh, he says more to his game than that. He's a right shot. Uh, he can play in the middle. He can play on the outside. Uh, I've been really happy with the way he's performed thus far. Um, and I think he came in with, you know, confidence, but not swagger. And I think he's getting more confident with, with each day that goes by because he's had a lot of success in practice. So I, I expect really good things from him. And, 
as he, as he gets more comfortable with us and more comfortable at Merrimack, I think his game will just continue to grow. One more newcomer to talk about, one more forward. Uh, but before we get to him, I actually have one quick question because I noticed this. Uh, Merrimack has not typically gone beyond the number 30 when it comes to numbers. But two guys are going above it. The Zach Bookman changes his number to 37. And Ty Deneau, the freshman we're going to talk about, uh, is going to wear number 43. Were those special requests by those guys to wear those numbers? I was just curious. Well, it's funny. It was a special request by uh, by Ty, which he was, it was made to Dan. And Dan uh, said, no, no, we don't do that. And then I asked Bookie one day, and he didn't ask me. I asked him, I said, how come you never asked us for 37? Um, and he said, um, I don't know. I, never th- I just thought you wouldn't let me do it. I said, you can wear it. I don't care what you wear. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, if you like that number, let's get it. He says, Coach, I, I would love that. And it's okay. <laughs> We're good. And so uh, we got it. And then once that happened, obviously, um, obviously, um, Ty saw that or, or dance art and told Ty and Ty said, yeah, I'd really like to be 42 if I could. So it was no problem. Like he had a great year for you last year. Um, <laughs> so that that's, you know, why wouldn't we? Um, but that, that was why it was, it was, it was, you know, to the good thing for Bookie is me that brought it to him. And um, in Ty's case, it was something he just added on to after the fact. Yeah, and he had a big year last year. I mean, 45 point, uh, 45 goals, excuse me, uh, in the Alberta League. He played for Canada West at the Junior A Challenge. That was a point per game there. Uh, I know he was kind of right on the cusp of maybe being drafted in one of the later rounds over the summer, too, uh, depending upon who you read. There were some draft guides who thought uh, he could be a, a sixth or seventh round pick. Ended up going undrafted, but I think still has another year because uh, he is a late 04. So, he can come in with a big freshman year, kind of like Macaponi, then get himself into that mix. For sure, for sure. And Ty is—he's um, almost an 05, as you referenced, being a late 04. He's really close to an 05, um, and he had two great years in that league. And obviously, last year, just you know, not a lot—not a lot more you can ask him to do in the Alberta League. Um, and you know, comes in with a lot of confidence. He can really score. Um, he's very, very smart player. Uh, just, you know, from his standpoint, cause he's so young, you know, his body has got to get to a place where he's able to compete, uh, and battle, uh, with older and bigger men. Uh, but he will, uh, he, you know, he wants, he's a, he's a hockey player through and through. He's going to do what it takes. Um, but he, um, you know, is one of those guys because he's young. Uh, the first thing he's just going to have to do is kind of, you know, grow his confidence. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest difference within this freshman class. You know, the two, uh, you know, Ethan Bono and Ty Janelle are both very young players. Uh, everybody else in the class is basically an age out. And that um, doesn't make it harder for them, but, you know, they've, they don't have the advantage of playing those two extra years that those other guys did or the, you know, four years that our fifth year guys did. So I expect really big things from Ty. I think he's going to be a fabulous player for us. Um, it will happen as quickly as he's able to adjust to the college game because he's really smart and he can shoot a puck, but he, uh, what's very underrated is how he moves the puck. Uh, and I've been impressed with that uh, as well as anything since he's been here. Uh, and then just from what you've seen in these, these early season skates, what you've been able to look at, uh, it seems like, you know, generally speaking, guys may take their biggest jump 
freshman and sophomore year. Uh, obviously, we talked about Capone. That's what he did last year. Uh, and you got a couple of sophomores, or quite a few, that it feels like could be in for for a significant uh, development in their game. I know Trevor Gravel played a lot last year as a freshman. Uh, Nikita played some last year as a freshman and, and showed off his shot when he did. Uh, Zach Bookman obviously played a lot of minutes as a freshman. Now he's going to be a sophomore. Have you seen kind of a, a bump in development from that sophomore class as they enter year two? Well, I can tell you, um, I haven't seen uh, Greaves play yet. <laughs> Unfortunately, he got hurt. So he hasn't been with us yet. Um, I think he'll be back either right before Arizona or right after Arizona. Um, because we have big plans for him. You know, I, I think that he showed last year he can obviously skate in this league. Uh, he can obviously play downhill in this league. Um, you know, but a year ago he put, spent the summer with an injury that recovering from and didn't get to strengthen as much as he would have liked to have. Uh, and then the same thing happened to him again this year. So he, again, didn't get to really strengthen as he would have liked to have. Um, but I still expect that once he's back, he'll play a big role for us. You know, I think his, his confidence, I think, is in a good place um, right now. Just even though he has yet to practice with us, um, I think it's, you know, just seeing him around the rank, watching his rehab, watching his preparation, getting ready, I think his confidence is in a really good place. Uh, and I expect some good things from him on the back end for sure. Uh, we need that. You know, we need that. Uh, Nikita, a little nicked up right now, but same thing. Like, his skating is much better than it was a year ago. Uh, he has practiced a lot with us before he got nicked up. Um, and he just, you know, he can shoot a puck unbelievably well. Uh, and he make, is making plays this year. He's playing. You know, he was very much a one-on-one -on -one player last year, even in practice, and that's kept him out of the lineup. Uh, but this year, I think he's, he's spreading the puck around. He's seeing the rink better. Uh, or using the rink better. Maybe he saw it last year and just decided not to use it. Uh, but he is using it this year and playing well. And, um, you know, when he gets back, I, I think he's he's certainly in the mix. Um, and then another guy, a sophomore that you didn't mention, who's taking a really big jump is Tyler Young. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, and Tyler played a significant amount for us last year in the first two-thirds of the season. Uh, he kind of got replaced by Mark Hillier. Uh, down the stretch, and um, and then as the 13th forward by Hugo Esselin. Um And, you know, he's such a good guy. He's such a good teammate that he, he never would have known it if you saw his face, you know, after a game, win or lose, before. I, I love how he handled it. And I told him uh, when we put Hugo in that 13th position, you know, I just don't think a freshman, because Hugo's not going to play a lot. But he's going to talk to me a lot because that I, you know, legitimately used Hugo as a, to vent last year. So I didn't yell at the refs sometimes down the stretch. Um, and he was great at kind of settling me down. Uh, he was great on the bench with his teammates, even though he wasn't playing. He probably played nine, nine shifts in the last six games. And three of those were probably against Quinnipiac in the third period. Um, so he didn't play much, but made a great contribution to our success down the stretch. And, Tyler understood that, you know, as a freshman, he probably couldn't have that same um, success playing that role. So I have a world of respect for the way he handled his situation last year. And then what he did is he used it to motivate himself this year. And he's in great shape. Uh, and he's made a big jump. And I think you, I expect really good things from him this year. 
Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about, I mean, and this is probably something you, it's, it's nice to see, but it's probably something you can also easily ignore too. Uh, you guys were picked as a, as a team, the highest that the program's ever been picked in the preseason fall by hockey's. Uh, that obviously comes off the success you guys had last year as a team. I'm sure it's also easy to, to tell your team to ignore because you were picked, what, eighth or ninth, whatever it was last year, and ended up, you know, in overtime of the hockey's championship game. So <laughs> the preseason polls at the end of the day don't really mean much at all. Uh, but it is still notable to see to see this team, given that respect maybe by, by the rest of the league, uh, to be placed where you were coming off the season you had last year. Um, I don't know if you asked me that question because you know my answer is different than the way you just set it up. But I, I, I oh, yes feel no. like yes no, I know it is a little bit, but still, like it's it's a I, different. It, it is a different uh, feel. It's a different feel yeah. for our team. I'd be lying if it wasn't a different feel for our team. Not to be picked third, but to feel like why, like even just for ourselves. Like I think we have we have expectations for our season, um, but you know. I, I, I don't believe the coaches had any sincerity in that, in that voting us that there, um, you know, there's a lot of guys in this league that uh, really improved from a year ago. Uh, there was a lot of good teams in this league last year. Um, I, I, I think if you ask each coach privately, do you think Merrimack is the third best team in hockey? East? They laugh and they say, no way, but they voted us there, um, you know, because they couldn't vote for their own team maybe. Um, but I, I, um, you know, I, I think it's a, you know, you know, and you know, I, I don't want to overplay this card because I think people probably think I do, but Merrimack doesn't get the respect it deserves. This is, a, to me, this is another sign of lack of respect. And we just need to go into the year understanding that. Like, no one's ever going to give you the respect you deserve, ever. Even last year after the final, that was, you know, not, I didn't feel like our team was really well respected. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's me just trying to create a narrative. It's not I'm not smart enough for that. But I don't think this program is respected, uh, and I don't think it 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 has been. You know, um, and I think that's a great thing for us is we can for the players to make a decision to come here. Um, we're all in together, and that's the only way we'll be successful. We can't be successful the way that other teams in our league can be successful. We have to do it all together. Um, and we need things to fall our way with like this year with some of the guys coming back that came back. Um, so I'm comfortable with the challenge of being picked where we were picked, but I'm also really aware that that's not how our coaches feel. And it's, um, it, it made me laugh when I saw it, frankly. Yeah. That was, you actually already answered my follow-up to that. I was going to be like, you can't really, you, you can't operate as if that means anything because you know, it it really doesn't. Like I said, it was ninth last year. You guys are a goal away from winning the hockey championship. So uh, I, I know some fans were excited about it because it's not something that's happened before. And, and I think it it, it makes it makes some people excited. But uh, I, I think in the room, you're right. You got to operate the way you got to operate. That's the way that look. It's the way Minnesota State operated for years, right? And and they were consistently they were consistently good every year, and and still felt felt disrespected on a national level. Not within their league, but definitely on a national level. So that it's it's always motivating, that's for sure. Yeah, and I and I like hey, if people really feel that way, you know, and there's there's teams with new rinks in our league and new and, and spending billions of dollars in our league, like I, you know, th that would be almost comical. 
Um, but I think that our team um, has used that in a really positive way. Last year's team, 100%, even the year before, you know, same thing, especially in the second half. Um, and this year's team, I hope, uh, approaches the season the same way, you know, and, and uh, if you can do that and, and, you know, you can be successful and it's a great league. I mean, I, and I, I look at the league and every single team in this league has improved dramatically, every team in this league. Um, and that is going to make it a really uh, great year in hockey East. And hopefully we can, you know, uh, do what we hope we can do, reach our goals. So, and that would be to be back in that same game again next year that we were in last year. All right, Coach. Well, hey, thanks for the time. Uh, good luck as you guys get going. I'm sure we'll do this plenty of times throughout the year as we normally do, but uh, certainly best of luck throughout the rest of the preseason and uh, as you guys get ready for Arizona State in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it, and, and thanks for thinking about us. We appreciate it very much. All right, I want to thank Coach Borg for taking a couple of minutes to join us today and previewing the 2023-24 Merrimack men's hockey season. we got a lot coming up, like I said. Uh, probably not going to have a podcast next week just because it doesn't. it's not a lot to talk about between now and then. Uh, things will be as they are uh, next week, the same as they are to, uh, today, more than likely. So uh, we'll probably do our next episode the week in between the exhibition game and the opener at Arizona State. So look for the next podcast to drop probably the 13th of October, the day before the season or the night before the season opener. Uh, and then we'll have a lot to talk about because there'll be games every weekend and then the basketball season's going to start and there'll be a ton to talk about. So uh, be on the lookout for our next podcast in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to this show again today. Thanks for downloading and subscribing. And thanks to our subscribers again over at themacreport.com. Like I said, and I say it in every episode, uh, this stuff is not possible without your support for what we do. So thank you for supporting our work and our coverage of Merrimack men's hockey and Merrimack men's basketball. That's going to do it for me for today. Thanks again for listening to the show. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.